to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Well, again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's great to be in worship with you today. We're so glad you're here. Um, I want you to know that immediately following this service, we're going to have a time to get together with light refreshments out here uh, behind us outside Alderman Hall. So I invite you to stay around, hang out, get to know some of the folks uh, who've made this service uh, a regular part of their worship week. And uh, I look forward to meeting some of you as well. Well, I want you to know that in June, we have the uh, Vacation Bible School, our annual Vacation Bible School week coming up. While uh, signups are closed, we are looking for volunteers. This, I mean, this is everything from teaching to cooking to cleaning up. There's a lot of different ways we can serve. Uh, so we're going to have probably three or 400 kids here, so it's going to be an exciting time, one of my favorite weeks, full of energy and life, so you can go to the church website and sign up to volunteer. And then also, if you or maybe someone you know is going through a tough time, maybe you're depressed or grieving or just need someone to talk to, we have a ministry here at the church called Stephen Ministry, where lay people are trained to have spiritual friendships with folks, to offer a listening ear, comfort, encouragement. If that's something that might be useful to you, uh, reach out either to me or go to the church website and we'll connect you with the Stephen Minister. It can really make a big difference in our lives. Today we continue our sermon series looking at... The wisdom literature of the Old Testament. Wise up. What does it mean to cultivate a wise life, to become a wise person? Today we're going to transition to a new book. We're going to look at the book of Ecclesiastes. And this opening chapter sounds kind of, starts on kind of a, a tough note, tells us some tough truths. So let us listen with our hearts and our minds to hear the word of the Lord from Ecclesiastes 1. The words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Round and round goes the wind and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of people yet to come by those who come after them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I ask that in the next few moments you might be our teacher. While these are tough truths, Lord, might they wake us up to being wise, to living a wise life. Lord, now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. 
I've heard it said that the bad news is nothing lasts forever. The good news, nothing lasts forever. This is maybe no more true than, true than it is in fashion. It's hard, I think we would agree, to stay hip and fashionable. Trendsetters are always changing what is cool to wear. What is chic one day will be passe the next. I found this great art, article in Harper, Harper's Bazaar magazine reviewing bad fashion trends of the past. In the 1920s, there were cloche hats. The magazine said, unless you're going for the look of an overgrown infant, this hat trend is better left for newborn babies. In the 1940s, this one was fascinating. There were mini bowler hats. Fact, it said, miniature hats flatter very few heads. In the 1960s, you had futuristic fashion. Let us all be grateful in knowing that the fashion of the future never actually ended up looking like this. These metallic skin-tight pants are nobody's friend. <laughs> this is my favorite. In the 1970s, there were jumpsuits for men. It said, the jumpsuit isn't for everyone, and that's okay. <laughs> In the 1980s, remember, we had hammer pants. When not even the founder of a fashion trend can manage to pull the look off, that's when you know there is a problem. MC Hammer can't touch this. Kids, if you want to have a fun activity today, go and ask to see pictures of your parents when they were in their 20s. Look at their shirt, their pants. Look at their facial hair. It'll be a fun activity. The bad news, nothing lasts forever. The good news, nothing lasts forever. Truly nothing seems to last. In Ecclesiastes, the book begins by referring to the author, or what he calls the teacher. In Hebrew, it's Koheleth. The teacher writes in the tradition of King David's son, King Solomon. Solomon was thought to be the wisest person who ever lived. Wisdom literature was collected, edited down, and distributed in Solomon's name. Wisdom literature gathers the observations of what can be learned from looking out at the world. And Koheleth, the teacher, in the opening chapter of Ecclesiastes, begins with this observation, nothing seems to last. This is a fact about life, he writes. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The Hebrew word here that's translated vanity is hevel. Hevel, sometimes translations will translate it nothingness or meaninglessness, but that doesn't get it really correct. More accurately, it would refer to maybe mist or smoke or vapor. It refers to the ephemerality of life. Things are here one day and gone the next, like smoke that you reach and try to grasp, and it's quickly gone. He's saying, like fashion, nothing seems to last. You reach out for it, and it's gone. Fashion trends change. What was new turns old. What was living dies. As Bruce Springsteen sang on that great song, Atlantic City, well, now everything dies, baby. That's a fact. Life is ephemeral. 
It's here one day and gone the next. Nothing seems to last. And it's wise to remember that fact. The writer asks rhetorically, what do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? Be careful that you don't presume that things will last forever. Watch out how much you toil. Don't assume that your work will exist and endure in perpetuity. Don't overvalue your possessions. They will rust, they will break, and eventually they will be thrown into the dustbin of history. Be careful about overvaluing the finite things in your life because they won't last. Thinking about this truth reminded me of this guy I played golf with one time. The guy's name was Clay. And he was a friend of a friend, and so I didn't know him, but we got matched up into the same golf cart for the round. Now, has anyone ever asked you what you do for a living? And you kind of feel yourself, and you kind of tell them, and then you ask them what they do, and it's like way cooler than what you do? Well, this kind of happened to me. So Clay's sitting there in the golf cart. He says, what do you do for a living, Jeff? And I'm like, feeling myself. I'm like, I'm a pastor at Roswell Presbyterian Church. Just flexing, just flexing. And I ask him, I said, what do you do? And he says, I'm a professional drag car racer. <laughs> Who does that for a living? I'm like, you must have gone pretty fast. He says, well, probably about, you know, fastest I went at 335 miles an hour. I said, are you kidding? I was speechless, which is saying something. And I was like, 335 miles an hour? That's really fast. He said, yeah, in fact, at the time, it was the fastest anyone had ever driven a drag car, ever. I said, you are the fastest man living? He said, yes. At the time, unfortunately, it was for a very short time. I said, why? He said, well, when you set a world record for speed, they come and examine your car, they disassemble it. And before they had disassembled my car completely, Somebody had already beaten my record. And then he kind of chuckles, says, nothing seems to last. Indeed, nothing seems to last. In 1954, Roger Bannister broke what we thought was the speed limit of the human, the four-minute mile. Hopefully he wasn't feeling himself too much because 46 days later, John Landy broke his record. Hopefully John wasn't feeling himself because three years later, his record was broken. Do you know how fast it is now? The mile, three minutes and 43 seconds. Nothing seems to last. And we would be wise to keep that in mind. It's unwise, it's foolish to invest too much value, to love something too much as if it will endure forever. We have to be careful about loving finite things as if they're eternal. One of the great theologians of human history was Augustine of Hippo. He's from North Africa. And later in his life, when he was a bishop, he began to look back on his life, and he wrote what is the first autobiography, the first memoir. It's remarkable how modern it is. He really sets the terms of the quest for humanity, especially the Western tradition. One of my teachers called it the autobiography of the West. And in it, he reflects on being a, his younger self before he became a Christian. He was a famous orator, which is basically the ancient version of a rock star. 
He had a live-in girlfriend for 10 years. His mom worried constantly about him. She loved him so much she prayed for him. And looking back at his younger self, he remembers the first time a friend of his died. And Augustine was a young man who felt passionately and fervently, and when his friend died, he was inconsolable. He was inconsolable in grief, couldn't stop weeping. And as an older man, he looks back and he analyzes it. And he says, you know what the problem is? I loved my friend as if he would never die. I loved him as if he would never die. He calls it disordered loves, loving something too much. He says we should only love God with that kind of love. Because only God transcends death and finitude. Only God will never die. He says, actually, I didn't even really love my friend. I loved the idea of my friend. And therefore, my love was disordered. We should have rightly ordered loves. We should love things as they are, not our idea of them. I know a therapist who works with many young men in their 20s or 30s. And I asked him, are there any common themes across your clients? And he said, yes, basically, parents don't screw up your kids. I said, could you give me a little more meat on the bone? He said, most of these guys are dealing with issues that go back to their relationship with their fathers. Their fathers put too much pressure on them. There was love that was withheld. The relationship was never truly established. He was getting at that point that sometimes we love the idea of someone, not who they actually are. And part of us loving our kids, loving our parents, our friends, our stuff, our belongings, anything other than God, is knowing the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, that things in this world is passing away. Now, you don't need to be a person of faith. You don't need to be a Christian to know this. Before coming to RPC, I served for about 10 or 11 years working with students and many graduate students at Georgia Tech. And these students were engineers who were brilliant at math and science. And to let you know, the last science class I took was in high school. So I was always trying to learn from them. And they loved teaching me. And there was this doctoral student I became good friends with. He ended up becoming a Christian over the course of our friendship. And he was always teaching me. And he, we especially liked to talk about the second law of thermodynamics. It has to do with the process of entropy. The law states that in a closed system, a system's ability to do work decreases over time. Or, you cannot return to the same energy state because entropy always increases. Or, things tend to go from order to disorder. Things tend to go from order to disorder. And one of the riddles of our existence is what is holding everything together? What keeps things from falling apart because of entropy? Because the second law of thermodynamics says that all of our atoms, all of our cells should be flying away into oblivion. And yet, here we are. Entropy says things tend to go from order to disorder. Ecclesiastes would be entropy's favorite book of the Bible. Things are passing away. In the words of the teacher, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Jesus addresses this problem 
In Matthew 7, in his Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is the largest body of ethical and moral teaching of Jesus' in the New Testament. And he says this in verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. Why are we to follow Jesus' teachings? Because we believe that God was revealed in Jesus Christ. God who exists out of time and space crosses that chasm and takes on creaturely reality. In Jesus, God bridges from that transcendent space to our reality. And therefore, Jesus' words and teaching offer us a firm foundation on which to build our lives when things are passing away. He continues, the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. Jesus is saying, my words, my teachings give you a firm ground to stand on when the storms of life come, when things are passing away, there's something solid. And he continues, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And how great was its fall. If you live as if you'll never die, if you think you'll always have your belongings as if this world is not passing away, you're a fool. And if we live like this, time will make fools out of all of us. But Matthew 7 goes on to say, Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as their scribes. See, the crowds recognize Jesus' authority. He's bringing something different to the table. He's bringing something that's built to last, that will endure. Be a wise person and found your life on that rock. He offers us words that will truly last. I've always benefited from all the stuff I get to learn from the congregation members of the churches I've been a part of. This doctoral student in mechanical engineering was doing research for a physics, undergraduate physics class he was teaching. And he was reading through one of the textbooks they were using for the course. And he knew I loved physics and I especially loved the places where science and the theology intersected. And so he was always trying to keep me clued in. And so one day this young man texted me, he said, Jeff, you're not going to believe what I came across in this undergraduate physics textbook we're using for this class. I said, really, what is it? And he told me, I said, is is this a very old textbook? He says, no, not at all. They just came out with a seventh edition. We're using it. I said, could you take a picture of that chapter and send it to me? Because I don't think anyone will believe me if I don't have proof, if I don't have evidence. And so the penultimate page of that chapter had all these numbers and equations I couldn't make any sense of. As I flipped it to the last page of the chapter on the second law of thermodynamics, I go to the last paragraph of the chapter. And it reads, quite obviously, it is impossible to give conclusive answers to these questions on the basis of the second law of thermodynamics alone. However, 
We see the second law of thermodynamics as a description of the prior and continuing work of a creator who also holds the answer to our future destiny and that of the universe. He said, I'd never seen anything like that before. I said, me neither. Friends, I don't know what to tell you. The physicist said it better than I could ever. The world is passing away like smoke, mist, vapor. But guess what? When everything wants to break apart, there is a creator who's got the whole world in his hands. Our future and the destiny of the entire cosmos is left up to God. And so in a world that is passing away, let us build a life to last. Let us found it on the rock who's crossed that chasm of time and space to come and say, I love you in Jesus Christ. Let us build our lives on rock. Let us make a life that's built to last. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this great passage that wakes us up to the transience, the ephemerality of life. But also, Lord, let us look beyond it to your son Jesus who reveals the God of the cosmos to us. I thank you for that last paragraph and that chapter on the second law of thermodynamics. May we always trust in that God who's got the whole world in his hands. In your name we pray, amen. been listening to the RPC Sermons podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.